Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Thanks for hanging out. Welcome to Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. Hope you're doing all right. A day for defense. And a lot of thoughts here from Coach Knighton, M.J. Sherbin, Blaze Gunderson, Natch Hudmacher, and yes, Mr. White, yes, science. We'll get to all of it, and uh, you're welcome to join the show at 489-1240, 489-1240, and can also send an email, chris at hailvarsity.com, uh, 800-825-5865, toll free. Across the state, you want to jump in wherever you hear us on the radio. And uh, the video stream up for you at the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. can comment and watch that way. Or the Hale Varsity Radio uh, Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. Facebook and Twitter also with uh, home uh, flagship station KFOR. Uh, We are loaded up. We'll spend time with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Mitch back with us in about uh, 15 minutes. In hour two, Mr. Blackshirt on a Tuesday, Charlie McBride. Get his reaction to Coach White and where this defense can go. We'll spend some more time on the offensive line with a Husker offensive line. Great from the pipeline. Excited to spend some time with Joel Wilkes. Uh, offensive guard, led the team in pancakes in 94. Uh, just a tough SOB. I say that lovingly and anxious to get his take on what he projects from the offensive line. Let's get to it. Can find us also on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Give me a follow. Give Elijah a follow. Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence is where you go. So we'll have some comments here in a moment from Tony White. And uh, this Nebraska defense. But Elijah, a lot's been talked about. And I want to go into a couple of talking points. You and I can beat up for a little bit. The the mantra of 1% better. Right? You hear that? It's, it's, it's a great phrase. It's a better mentality. The 1% better. And then also uh, another thing that's been a, a topic of conversation has been Just the body change. We noticed it and talked about it with Ethan Piper last week. You you saw it with Ty Robinson yesterday. Blaze Gunnarsson looks all sorts of yoked up. Uh, Nash Huttmacher looking different. And the, the reason being is in the name of athleticism. You can be tough. You can be strong. You can be super physical. But you see it on the offensive line and the defensive line. There is that sweet spot where you need size and strength, but you also 
to be better from a mobility standpoint and an athleticism standpoint. You take some of the good, what I call it, wing Tuesday, <laughs> uh, you know, table fat or, or table weight, and, and you flip it around. That's been a giant emphasis when it comes to strength and nutrition with some of Rule staff, Coach Corey, of course, uh, with, with, with his workout program, the nutritionist that the Nebraska has now, uh, you're seeing kind of lean and mean. That's been the shift versus big and bulky, and, and that'll be a difference. And when I think of those body types, I think of the, the, the Boses of the world, right? Just huge, but there, there's not an ounce of fat on the guy. Back when he was rolling up folks at Ohio State or now off to the NFL, I look at the Wistroms and the Peters. Those guys were were not just big, crazy dudes on the line, Tomich, but they were also in shape, fast, athletic guys. They were mobile, and, and it's all in the name of speed and being able to be different that way. Yeah, you need to still be strong and physical and take up space, but, but go make some of those aggressive plays, and with changing your body and being a little bit more mobile, athletic, flexible, uh, that'll be that could be a difference for this Nebraska defense. It's no longer just great to be able to stalemate at the line of scrimmage and let your linebackers or some of your other athletes clean up. It's now the onus on hey, let's let's be aggressive if you're a Nebraska defender in that front and and go make a play yourself because you're able to get around a guy that may be a half step too slow because you've changed your body. Well, look at just some of the top edge guys and, and there's a, a difference between I think like your nose guard and your your defensive tackle position and and what you have on the edge because like Pot Roast is a guy that he got the nickname Pot Roast for a reason. He still made a long NFL career out of it. And I'm not saying he was immobile on the inside. He was fantastically he mobile for his size. <laughs> yeah. You'd never expect a guy that big uh to, to be able to move like that, but you have less Vince Wilforks in the NFL nowadays. That's how the game is moving. Look at the top edge rushers in the NFL right now. 10, 15 years ago, these guys are playing linebacker. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the shift is that, that edge rusher position is really uh, another linebacker on the field. And you look at, I mean, who are the top guys right now? TJ Watt. Uh, even Aiden Hutchinson, smaller than a defensive end would be 10 years ago. Von Miller. Nick Bosa. Uh I mean, among the, Miles Garrett. among the top edge rushers, I was going to go to Miles Garrett as being probably the guy who's the largest, and even compared to a defensive end of yesteryear, he's pretty small compared to those guys. Whenever you think about your 290-pound monsters, your, your Neil Smiths of, of yesteryear. And even Neil, though. I mean, Neil was, was cut and fast and explosive and had that, that twitch. Mm-hmm. So you need that speed to go with size. And you also like the measurements. You like the the longer arms, the ability to get off blocks, and just have an advantage physically, not only mentally, but that one percent goes into the mentality, and then the uh, the physical work to reshape the bodies has been big time. And and again, we we draw parallels. We talked with Trev Alberts about this, but it does sound a lot like just kind of a a back to the 90s at least from a from a speed and a makeup and just the the emphasis on health and nutrition it's it's back to the 90s but with a modern twist yes very fair with, with a modern twist whenever i think about that group like yeah you saw some changes in how the body composition is is that going to translate to the field i guess we're going to wait and see Schmitty. it's, it's going to be one of those things where you're not going to know until minnesota trots out there on august 31st because minnesota as we've talked about a lot they have 
some inexperienced offensive linemen in the room, but guys that have played a lot of football. If they that have makes giants. Sense. They have giants that have been in the program for three, four years now, been getting that time to develop. You've been slow cooking them like a brisket, if you will. Can't microwave those groups. It's time for them to show what they've got, and they're going to, going to be going up against a, a Nebraska defensive line that's going to look a lot different than it did last year based on what we've seen early in fall camp. But is that able to translate? Do you have enough beef still to be able to stand up those Big Ten offensive linemen? These are questions that remain to be seen, but... Tony White and, and Coach Matt Rule, the strength and conditioning coach, clearly have a vision. They got into that today in the, the presser with essentially saying the, the, that Tony White sat down with uh, the, the strength and conditioning staff this offseason and said what he wanted from the, the defensive line. He thinks they did a great job going on executing that vision in terms of what he wants from his defensive linemen. Will it pay dividends once Big Ten season rolls around? We'll see. But it, it seems to be a defensive line in a, in a group that fits the vision of what the three three five is supposed to be just a little bit better in terms of mobile defensive linemen. They're stunting all over. They're really trying to wreak some havoc on an offensive line. Well, and, and if you're always moving, a moving target hard to hit, hard to lock in on, and you can be faster to a spot than the guy trying to block you. There's nothing wrong with that, and uh, we'll see how well it works out. Let's hear from Tony White as his focus as we get things kicked off. On the start of fall camp, what's the direction of this defense? I mean, right now we're just we're just trying to concentrate on the operation that we know what to do, we know what our identity is, and whether it's again whether it's individual walkthrough or whether it's full team competition, we know how we're supposed to act. And uh, so far, it's been good, but uh, we still got a long way to go. That identity, I mean, this to me. The identity identity is very simple with this defense. Be fast and physical. I mean, just absolutely get to your spot, go make a play, and and be flying around the football. Uh, to that point, more from Coach White here on playing fast. We're harping on the guys for for going fast. You know, we 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 had an incident where a guy was trying to be too correct versus playing fast. And so I yelled at him because, hey, dude, I don't, I'm not worried about that right now. I just care that you let loose and you go and you play with. I'm going to consider, I'm going to keep on saying this, Husker speed. That's the way we're going to play her. Husker speed, full, full go, full tilt. I'm not worried about making a mistake, and I want to play my butt off. That sounds big time because if you may, Coach McBride will be with us, and he has said it for a lot of years on this show. Just even if you make a mistake – do it fast because you're going to get a reaction, a mistake, some uncertainty from the offense if they're trying to track you down. Uh, you may not nail the assignment, but getting that old car wreck on the way to the, the ball carrier. Well, it's uh, it's something that he said plenty with with what his focus was, the defensive line stopping the run. You're going to play the run on the way to the quarterback, which is the ultimate definition of, of playing fast from a defensive lineman point of view. And that your main goal every single time you get off the ball is to get off the quarterback. And if you see a, a ball carrier during that time, you get off your block and you make a play. But it's not about reading and reacting and seeing, is it going to be a run play first? Is it going to be a pass play here? Uh, we're going to stand my offensive lineman up and then we're going to make a decision. You know what? If it's a pass play, we're going to get after the quarterback. No, it's not that. Like what, what Coach McBride harped with his defensive line was, We're going to get to the quarterback, and if it's a run play, if they happen to run the ball against us, we're going to stop that ball here on our way to the quarterback, but that's not going to be your focus whenever you get off the football. You can read and react, very common for defenses, or you can attack. And and Nebraska has bought into this attacking defense. Those are fun to watch if they play at a high level. They're absolutely fun to play in. Uh, 
uh, when you're having success. Let's get a little bit more from Tony, Tony White uh, when it comes to guys reshaping their bodies to that athleticism standpoint. Cut four here, and a lot of work and emphasis has been put in there uh, by, this, by this football team, by this side of the ball. I think that is that is truly what represents the process and what Coach Rules has brought here. You know, you talk about a guy like Buck. You know, we identified, hey, needs to be closer to this weight. Uh, that's Corey. That's the Kristen in the nutrition. That's uh, uh, Mitch over at the sports science. That's everybody included, uh, constantly giving him the resources he need he needed in order to get himself in the best shape he's been in. Uh, he's flying around. He's happy. He's being a leader out there. I'm really, really excited for what it what he's been able to do, and that's representative of of what's here now. That's a name that we all were pretty excited about, Roquan Buckley. When he came to Nebraska out of Michigan, uh, it was a fight in the recruiting world to get him. He's been here for a little bit. Elijah, it sounds like he's doing things at a pretty high level. We're two days into practice, but even you go back to spring, and, and Buckley's a guy that you've kind of been waiting to pop. Sounds like he's making headway. He's playing with confidence. He's in a really good headspace right now, and the more the merrier for me on that defensive line because Nebraska wants to rotate, rotate, rotate to be able to have that advantage and continue to pressure an offense. And you can see how his body has been reshaped this offseason whenever he, he gets out there. It's, I mean, he came in at six foot six, 280-plus pounds. It's 280-ish, yeah. Which is huge as a defensive line. That's, that's offensive lineman numbers for a high schooler coming out. So uh, for them to say, you know what, he had a little bit too much weight on him, we're going to try to get him fast and flying around. Well, again, will it pay off? I don't know yet. We haven't seen a Roquan Buckley that looks like that during his Nebraska career, but you're excited about what the possibilities could be because what he's been during his time at Nebraska thus far clearly hasn't gotten him time on the field. It hasn't been what's been right for him in his development. So try something new, and and it sounds like the coaching staff, from what we just heard from Tony White, is excited with what he can be moving forward. And it was the last little point that Coach White made there, that that's just one guy that represents the whole shift of what this defense has has been this offseason. We see that whenever guys like, Ty Robinson getting front, up in front of the media yesterday or, or Nash Hupmacher. These guys do look a little bit different. Again, my question is still, does it pay off in the long run? But it's it's what you hope to see whenever you, you heard Nebraska shifting to a 3 3 That's what they needed. You know, and, and how soon can it pop? That's, that's the question. It's the question with any transition. How soon can you be good at it? And, and how much is overload? How much is the right amount? And can guys play fast with all of their responsibilities. The, the the sweet part of this defense, if you're a Nebraska fan, is just how you can have waves coming out of the posing offense where they're not expecting or they don't know how to react. Or it's, it's a change-up. It's a different defense. It's a defense you're not used to. So you may not be great at, at, um, at, at trying to, to, to stymie it. Now, you need your guys to be – uh, better than functional at carrying out their assignment and go execute. More from Coach White here on the defensive backs and what he's seen from that back area. Uh, let's go with uh, the importance of getting guys reps. Okay. I, I, I misread the third base sign. <laughs> you were telling me five, not ten. Nine. Nine. I need my eyes checked. Yeah, my bad. Let's go to reps 
here on Hale Varsity. We want to win the game. Shoot, there's, there's a ton of, and we got a lot of guys playing. Got a, you know, it's cool to see when you look up and you see, you know, you see Buck out there, you see Nash, and you see Blaze, you see Cam, then you see, then you, then you see guys down the line, AJ Rollins and 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 Kai, and then you see Sue out there, and you're just like, wow, wave after wave. You're trying to get those guys to know what to do, and there's a there's a point in the in, in practice where a guy makes a play and he did it the right way, and he used Husker speed and he used dominant contact, and it's like that was it, and you can see it in their face. They're like. That's what it feels like. We're trying to get everybody to that point. Well, well done by Coach White. We'll hear from Mitch Sherman, get his impressions today of the defense in front of the mics. And we're about 30 days away as the countdown begins for Nebraska, Minnesota. We'll hear a little bit more from Coach White on prepping for the Gophers. MJ Sherman talks a little bit about his skill set and how it matches with that Jack linebacker. So plenty more on a Tuesday. We'll get to some of your comments and emails as well. And it's great to be with you. It's Hale Varsity Radio, and we're presented by Currency. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic on the way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. Charlie McBride, Joe Wilkes next hour. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. At Mitch Sherman's where you find him on Twitter. And uh, Mitch, good to spend time with you. Thanks for a few minutes. How are you? I'm doing well. Schmitty, how are you? We're good. We are good. It was good to see you in Indy. And uh, camp is here, and uh, yesterday was Coach Rule and uh, some of the offensive guys today, a defensive flavor. And some of your impressions, Mitch, with first and foremost, Tony White's defense and some of the skill set that that guys bring uh, to what could make this defense thrive. Uh, So far, so good through day two? From what we've heard, yes, they're – moving fast they're installing a lot it's a complex scheme um you know i could envision a scenario where we're into september and there's a need to scale back some things but you know tony white's going to try to get as much in as he can um you know he doesn't want to sell short the veteran players on this team who deserve for for him and, and for this coaching staff to give them every opportunity that they have to win. And I think you heard that yesterday in, in Matt Rule's voice about the veteran players on the team and the work that they've done to to really push things along through the summer. And, you know, he talked about some of those guys being sick and tired of being sick and tired. And that, that quote kind of stuck, stuck with me a little bit. Um, and I asked Tony White about it today. And, you know, it, it resonates with him. It's because he's got players – feel that way at every level of his defense you know Quentin Newsom in the back and Isaac Gifford and you have Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer in the middle and and then a guy like Ty Robinson and and some some older players who haven't been on the field as much 
also up there on that defensive line, like Nash Hutmaker and, and Blaze Gunnerson. And we heard from both of those guys, Hutmaker and, and Gunnerson today, um, along with Ruquan Buckley and MJ Sherman, a new guy, and Ty Robinson and, and Nick Hendricks yesterday. So a lot of the veteran players uh, defensively have, have spoken. And, and, you know, more than that, um, I, I think what you see in those guys, especially the linemen, is, is some changes in, in how they look physically. And, you know, it's got a lot to do with their nutritionist, Kristen Coggin. It's got a lot to do with Corey Campbell, the strength coach, and his staff. And all of the guys that I asked about it were quick to mention those two and, and, their, and their staff. And then, of course, too, what Terrence Knighton, the defensive line coach, and Tony White and Matt Rule want from this defense. So, you know, they're working on a lot of different things um, to get this team in a place physically and intellectually when it comes to the, the football side of things so that they're ready to go in 30 days. And, and you know, that's, that's a, tough, um, a tough task. Of course, they're not going to be at their best, but it's just how close can they get to that um, opening the season against the Big Ten West opponent. Mitch Sherman's with us here at Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mitch, we heard from Tony White today that essentially it's going to fall upon that veteran leadership on the defense to get the defense ready to go for Minnesota, that some of those guys out there who are another coach on the field, if you will, are really important in getting the defense as a whole ready. But I want to get your thoughts on, on what it's going to take for this team if they're going to exceed expectations in year one. Is that going to fall on those veterans and that veteran leadership, or is that going to fall on some of the younger guys being ahead of schedule and, and getting on the field earlier than expected in their Husker career? Which side of the coin are you on there in terms of how Nebraska could exceed expectations this season? Well, I'd say both. I mean, you, you know, you're not going to get ex- uh, you're not going to exceed expectations with only the veterans stepping up or with only the young players stepping up. And I don't think the young players can do it without the veterans leading the way. You know, I don't think this is set up to be a team where uh, you have freshmen, redshirt freshmen who rise to the top and 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 the older players fall fall away. There's a, it's just a small group. There's only 10 seniors on this team and they're going to have to get contributions from the majority of that group and, and not just on the field, but in the locker room and in leadership roles. And then because that group is so small, yeah, they're going to need young players. There's a bigger junior class, but, and then there's a, a big group of sophomores who have been in the program for three or four years. Some of the sophomores, well, all of them, um, the majority of them, I guess, would have been in college in 2020 if, if they've redshirted. And, you know, that counts, that does, that does not count as a year. So you have fourth year sophomores, which skews the, um, the look of the roster a little bit more young than it actually is. But um, some of those guys feel young in the program because they haven't done uh, as much on the field. And then there's others who, who seem like veterans because they're entering their fourth season. So they're going to need it from all over. Um, I definitely think you're going to, ha- you're going to need contributions from the young players um, if they are to go above and beyond what people expect from this team. And we saw some of those guys in the spring uh, especially on the defensive side. So um, up front on defense, at the second level on the defensive side, they're going to need young players, not just not just freshmen, but some of the transfers too, like like MJ, who we heard from today, and Chief Borders, who I'm sure we'll hear from at some point in camp, um, to be big contributors uh, for Tony White in the scheme. Mitch Sherman with us. few minutes, Hale Varsity Radio, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Read him. With the athletic, Mitch, what what do you envision for this defense? Is it going to be a, a defense that's led by splash plays? Are they going to be great against the run? You know what what's a, a definition of success for you? And I know we've got a whole 
bunch of camp <laughs> left to, yeah. to, to, to get through. But uh, as the year goes on, I mean, you presume they'll get better. That's what needs to happen. It's a lot of, to ask going into Minnesota, to your point. But, you know, what, what are you thinking here defensively? What, what can that side of the ball do for this season? Yeah, I think definitely this defense this year and, and, and always in this scheme is going to be one that, that is at its best when it's causing disruption. So big plays, turnovers, splash plays, plays that get an offensive team out of its rhythm um, in a down and distance, you know, a sack on second down that makes it third and 17 and kills a drive, um, you know, creating a penalty because of the pressure that they're, that they're showing, the looks they're showing, really just um, creating confusion for the offense because it's a defense that a lot of teams in the Big Ten and teams that Nebraska plays in the non-conference aren't going to be accustomed to, to seeing um, you know, it's going to require a lot of film study and a lot of concentration on the part of, of offenses to, to master what Nebraska is doing on defense. And I don't think that uh, opponents will necessarily do that. Um, on the flip side, you know, it, it, when Nebraska, if Nebraska is not fundamentally sound in this defense, then they're going to be susceptible to big plays. And it's not always the worst thing in the world. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily, I don't think, with this defense all about the amount of points or the yards that they give up. Of course, you want to keep teams out of the end zone, and, and that's, that's, that's how you win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's getting teams off schedule. It's, it's, it's disru- being disruptive, creating turnovers, getting sacks. That's what this defense is built around. That's, that's why it's been successful uh, at, at stops that Tony White has made, at, at places where his, his coaching mentor, Rocky Long, has been successful. And, and you see the three three five taking hold at some programs around the country that haven't traditionally run it. You saw it in the Big 12 last year at TCU and Oklahoma State. Um, can it work in the Big 12, in the Big 10? Yeah, I think it can. Um, but there are going to be times where if Nebraska's not buttoned up fundamentally, then they're going to get taken advantage of. And, and those moments are going to happen in this defense. You just have to hope if you're in Nebraska that the big plays, the disruptions um, can cancel that out and, and even give you an edge. And Mitch, we're going to get a chance to see this year how the three-three-five works with a couple different Big Ten teams utilizing it. Nebraska obviously being the first, the top of mind for us, but Wisconsin's going to have their own version of one, and Ohio State's going to have a version of a three-three-five as well. But whenever you look at this Husker defense, Mitch, how much pressure do you think is going to be on them early in the season when you look at those two big games to, to open with Minnesota and Colorado? You can assume based on it being year one in a new system that the defense is probably going to be ahead of the offense by the time that we get kicked off on August 31st. So how much pressure do you think it is going to be on them to keep Minnesota out of the end zone and keep Minnesota off the scoreboard as that offense gets some things ironed out early in the year? Yeah, a considerable amount of pressure. Um, that's not necessarily the game that you look at going into thinking that it's going to be a, you know, a 35 to 31 game. Um, you know, Minnesota is going to be uh, methodical about the way that, that it does things. And, and, you know, it may be a defense. I think matchup-wise, you know, looking at it 30 days out, uh, it's not one that that I love for Nebraska, um, and because Minnesota, they're not necessarily looking to to gouge you with a huge play, um, and, they're, and, they're, and they're not looking to take a, a ton of risks. When teams start to take risks against the the defense that um, the, the, the kind of defense that Nebraska is going to play, you know that's when bad things can happen and big plays can happen for the defense. But if if they're patient, and you know I'd expect that that's what's what it's going to be um, with PJ Fleck and and that that offensive system. Uh, you know they're going to get their yards and they're going to get their first downs and they're going and they're probably going to be able to, to have a chance to control the clock. Nebraska will have to find a way in that game to take some gambles and, and create big plays when they're when they're they're not necessarily there for the taking. So I mean we're 
we're more than four weeks away from it. We'll have time to break that thing down, but it's not a matchup um, in this scheme, especially the first time Nebraska running it out there that I absolutely love or, or even like, especially on the road in the mm-hmm. first game of a, of a coaching regime. The second, the second week is a different story. And, you know, I think there will be opportunities at Colorado without even under, having a true understanding of what Colorado is going to do on the offensive side. I think they're going to have to take risks and they're going to look for big plays. And that should create opportunities and be right up the alley of what this defense wants to do to take advantage of an opponent. So, um, you know, very early in the analysis, I think week one um, sets up as a much worse matchup for Nebraska than week two on the defensive side. Mitch, here about 90 seconds, bud, but is there a, a defensive player that you could see as a barometer for how this defense goes? You know, at the very beginning, um, and, you know, what the thing, questions I want to ask as, as camp goes on and the positions that I want to watch when things get going are two spots. The rover spot, um, which is kind of the link between the secondary and the linebackers, and it was really interesting to hear White say today that Eric Fields, the true freshman linebacker, is, is playing that rover spot. You know, he came to Nebraska as a linebacker um, and intends to, to play like a linebacker in college. I know that from, from visiting him in, in Ardmore, Oklahoma, this winter. Um, so that tells me that that rover spot is going to be something that Nebraska looks at like as an extension of its linebacking core, and it's really an intriguing position. So not that Fields is going to be the starter. You know, it's probably going to be Isaac Gifford or, or you know, one of the more experienced players, but just the fact that he's playing there tells me something about that spot. And then the other, other one is the Jack linebacker position, you know, which between the first and second level of the defense um, does a lot of the same, has a lot of the same characteristics that you see for the rover spot on the back end. And that's, MJ Sherman and Jamari Butler and Chief Borders and Maverick Noonan. So those are all really intriguing pieces in the Nebraska defense. Even Noonan is a true freshman. So um, I'm going to watch those guys um, at both of those positions and see how things go. If they're very active um, when, when the season gets going and if we're hearing a lot of good reports about those two positions out of camp, then I think things are progressing and, and that, that's a good barometer for um, where the Huskers are at. Mitch, we'll get caught up again. Always appreciate you taking a few minutes. Real quick, about 10 seconds, what's coming up from you? Uh, well, we've been talking about defense, so I'm going to be writing about defense um, <laughs> here in the in the near future. First couple of days of camp are done, and we'll kind of finish with the previews and the rundown of everything that happened on day one. So that's online right now at The Athletic. Go check that out, and uh, more good stuff to come. Mitch, appreciate you. Thanks for the time. All right. Thanks, Chris. There he is, Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic. Uh, more Hale Varsity on the way. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. 489-1240. 489-1240. So, uh, we will hear from Charlie McBride here next hour and Joel Wilkes, part of the pipeline going on. We got caught up. Good stuff from Mitch. Check the podcast out. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. It's where you can find the uh, interview there. Also, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, Check that out. Let's hear from uh, Mitch. uh, Not Mitch. (laughs) Different Sherman. MJ Sherman. As he uh, caught up with the media a little bit and uh, a lot of good questions for for MJ, love hearing him talk. Uh, we'll get there in a moment. And I do like what Mitch said here, barometer-wise. What what positions do you look at? Well, obviously, as a group, you look at the offensive line. It goes, the offense goes. 
pretty much every season, every year, every team, what's your O-line look like? Uh, and and also you're, you're really focusing in on Sims. What does he give you at quarterback? Those are the, the, the two sides uh, or two positions you look at on the offense. Defensively, though, wanted to hear Mitch's take on just, all right, if the defense is successful, that equals who or what having a big day. You look at some of the really talented defenses, I think back to the 1999 defense for Nebraska. You had the mad German, Kyle Vandenbosch, Steve Warren, killing it. You had a good linebacking core. You still had Mike Brown at Rover. I mean, those were those were some dudes. And and Mike Brown is as good as it ever got at, at safety slash Rover for Nebraska. They were the the he was the the leader and uh tackling machine. But yeah, you want to get after the quarterback. You need that edge presence. That'll be a big part of what MJ Sherman is tasked with. Uh, what type of uh, wins can you get from a Ty Robinson from a pass rush standpoint or Blaze Gunnerson with his athleticism and size? Yes, they're run stuffers, but also can you collapse that pocket internally? Uh, and then you, you figure out the rover spot, that hybrid athleticism, not only to take the football away, but Listen, you can send some heat off the edge or even up the middle uh, with some of these different blitzes that Coach White's going to have up his sleeve. And you're SOL if you're, if you're an offense mm-hmm. and you're confused. And it could be a game-changing turnover. It could be a time to punt because it's third down and your third down percentage is brutal uh, against this defense when it's money time. And uh, there's always somebody coming from somewhere you're not ready for, or maybe you are, but you're so concerned or nervous about it, you're a tick or two too late, and things get blown up. So Rover, for sure, that Jack position, important. Here is a little bit from MJ Sherman when it comes to knowledge of the scheme. He was asked about that. It's day two, but so far, how are things getting picked up and then performed on the practice field from the playbook. As I said, it's only it's only day two, so I can't really judge that right now. I can only really say that you're trying to get 1% better every day, and you're just trying to make, not make the same mistake. 1% better. That's the mantra. Be better the next day. So his assignment as a Jack linebacker, what does that entail? What's MJ Sherman's job with this black shirt defense? That fits pretty well. I mean, like... I came from a 3-4 defense, so like you know, I was always I was always trying to be taught to rush the pass, rush the passer. Um, Jamar Jamar is the same way. He he was he was rushing the pass before uh, the coaches got here. Noonan was a DN almost in high school. Uh, Chief was the same way of Florida. I mean, it's it, we all right. Ain't nothing to us. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're fine. We're going to be good. We've got the ability to get after the quarterback. And and, and we saw this defense last year. I mean, I know there's going to be some new faces on the defense this year, but we saw them picking up some new defensive schemes halfway through the year last year whenever Bill Bush took over as defensive coordinator. The the defense was fine there, as as MJ said. Like, yeah, there's some new things. Play fast. Pick it up. Play fast. Play without fear of failure. I'm going to bring that one back. Um, But, like, we saw it from the defense last year. My question with this is not, are they going to be able to pick up the defense? It's a question of is is does this defense fit this, the strengths of these players? Because that's why the defense got better as the year went on last year. I think Bill Bush was able to install a defense that fit the strengths of who he had, and that's that's a credit to Bill Bush. 
is is Tony White doing the same here in fall camp? Is he building a defense for this year? Is he building a defense for the future, if you get what I'm saying? That's that's the question that remains, because there's some players on that defense. We saw that in the spring game. We've seen that in, in guys, their Husker career previous seasons. There's there's talent to work with on that defensive side of the ball, and that's kind of why I laid out to Mitch like how much pressure is going to be on that, that defense in games one and game two whenever the offense is still getting some things worked out, because typically in football, you can get a defense picked up faster than you can get an offense picked up. So is that defense going to be one that is is built to the strengths of the guys that it has so that it can pick up some of the slack from the offense while they get things figured out early in the year? Because as college football changes in the past decade or so, the old adage of defense wins championships is ringing less and less true every single year. It really comes down to having a dominant offense. But when you look at a coaching staff in year one, a team in turnover, trying to get a rebuild started, you kind of look at that defense as being the one who's got to carry some of that water this season and give your offense a chance to get some of the kinks ironed out and get some of that chemistry down because you haven't had as much time as other teams in the Big Ten to get some of those things installed for your offense. I don't. I mean, I know what, what it looks like when the offense is rolling and the defense is rolling and special teams is competent. Clearly, I know what that looks like. You just haven't seen it in forever. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to have one side of the ball stronger, but you need the, uh, the, the opposite side of the ball to, to your point, carry that water. And my, my bet this year for Nebraska football is for the first time in a long time, you're going to see them get better as the year goes on. It's not just what does it look like, but it's also going to be in the form of wins. Now, are they going to reel off eight in a row after a, a tough start? I don't know. I just know that once guys get comfortable and the season continues to progress, I do believe this coaching staff will get the team better, some of the key players better, and as a, as a unit, they'll be able to help one another. It's not going to be A&M Nebraska circa 2010 where you got to hang on for dear life and it just falls short 9-6. to six. Or the snow game against Sparty where it's, a, it's steel chairs to the dome all the time and it's 9-6. to six. You're going to get enough from your offense to help you out and they'll come up in some key spots. Same with the defense, same with special teams. If you see that early on and you see it continue, because it's been problematic. You've never had equal strength offense, equal strength defense, competent to good, to shot in the arm special teams probably since 2016. I'm with you. But in one thing I think in year one that's going to be important to know, especially early in the year, is – when we talk about the Minnesota game, it's not going to be about holding them to six points so Nebraska's offense can put up nine. The more can important you make factor, enough plays? can you make enough plays? Can you set up the offense with a short field once or twice? Can your special teams make a play to set up the offense with a short field? Uh, are you able to have that complementary aspect to build some confidence for that offense early in the season, early in a game? That's more what I'm looking for in the early part of the season. The three-three-five isn't built to be a, a defense that's going to shut teams out, especially not whenever you're, you're trying to turn over a roster like Nebraska is. We'll get to the potential of the defense from MJ Sherman. Uh, a few minutes away from Charlie McBride, Joel Will. Tale Varsity continues presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, 10 minutes away, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride will join us, get his take on the defensive outlook for 2023. Joel Wilkes, Husker standout, part of the pipeline. 
We'll hit the offensive line and talk with him in our two podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and can subscribe to Hale Varsity Radio. Do so that way, the segment you want or the entire show to uh, just hit play on when it's convenient for you. And always check out the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, video posted there daily. Uh, and uh, what uh, appreciate everyone that subscribed to Hale Varsity uh, YouTube and uh, also the Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. So a reminder about your friends at Dyer Law, workers' compensation, confused about your options for workers' compensation, that claim, put your trust in the team at Dyer Law, help ensure that your rights are protected, and you get a settlement you deserve. Call Dyer Law today, 402-393-7529, or visit DyerTodayDyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your workers' compensation claim. That's Dyer.Law, Dyer.Law, 402-393-7529. Last thought here from MJ Sherman when it comes to the defense and what is the potential of this black shirt crew in 2023. Uh, do you have a cut number? Uh, it's towards the end. <laughs> it should be right you, I after. I got you, I got you. Yeah. It could be very good. I mean, if we all put our heads on, into the um, into the game plan, we all buy in into the program and our culture and everything like that, it can be very, very good. I mean, we got all got a whole bunch of athletes on the team. Everything just relies on discipline and effort. Well said by MJ Sherman. And um, a comment, too, from Sherman. I lied. One more from MJ. What is Coach White like? What's impressive about him if you're playing for him under this defense? I mean, it just impresses me in the sense where, like, everything we do, I mean, meetings on meetings on meetings on meetings. I mean, I'm already on my fifth page in my notebook right now, and I just got a brand new one. So, like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just that for real, for real, just installing, installing the, the plays and everything like that. So the emphasis here is being that 1% better, taking a, a pin with you everywhere. They're trying to soak it all in. And a lot of time, Elijah, between now and go for time, but – the time is now to get better and get it figured out. Yeah, a lot of time, but at the same time, almost no time at all. Whenever you look at the grand scheme of, of what you had, I mean, you put in your work in the spring, you put in your work in the summer. Now it's 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 go time. It's cram time. You need to be ready come August 31st. There's no uh, redos. There's no extra time. You know, it's and it's that weird conundrum of, from a coaching staff point of view, what Tony White was kind of saying whenever we heard from him for a segment of, like, we're doing everything we can right now to get these guys ready for game one because on one hand, 30 days, yeah, that's a lot of time to get things installed. But on the other hand, you're looking at Minnesota. It's a team that's had four years of preparation with bowl practices, with spring, with the continuity with Fleck. You're, the Fleck cult, I mean, you, you, allegedly. You're, you're behind on the time there whenever you compare it to them. So on one hand, yeah, a month's a lot of time. But on the other hand, when you compare it to what your opponents have coming in on August 31st, it's not all that much time. More time with uh, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, shortly. Joel Wilkes, reminder, he'll join us. Taco line. And uh, you've got a talking point uh, with this spring, now into fall, camp mode. And they're trying to build on what did well and worked in the spring and hit the ground running with a new system and new staff. Back with the Hour 2 continues. The Tale Varsity presented by Currency. 
Voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hour 2 at Tail Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We say hi to Mr. Blackshirt and welcome in Charlie McBride on a Tuesday. And apropos, because it's a defensive day, Coach, how are we doing? Thanks for a few minutes today. Well, I'm doing good. I'm just, uh, you know, recovering from all my kids leaving. <laughs> every time I walk around the house, I'm looking for somebody. And it's just me and my wife. So it's, it's, now we have to get used to that. Well, you had a house full. I'm so happy you got to see family and friends. And that's awesome. And uh, no better time than, than summertime to do it. We're into day two of, of Nebraska camp coach and there's there's a lot of excitement there's some more thoughts on i guess and a definition for lack of a better word on this uh this tody white defense and the more i hear about it the more i think of your defense is just from a an attribute standpoint the speed the athleticism and just attacking and i want to start there with in your career and just time before and, and, and in Lincoln, just that decision to to be an attacking defense. It sounds so simple. It may be an obvious answer, but I'm going to ask you the why. Why was your cup of tea having an attacking defense? Well, one of the things is, is that we had is uh, we had a defense that didn't uh, that was pretty basic before uh, when I came. Ours was basic, but. Um, what I mean is there wasn't a lot of movement in the front and uh, there were some, a few, you know, little slants here and there and stuff like that. I, I looked at it as pretty easy to prepare for because I was on the other side of the ball for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought the biggest thing is, is the one, I think we played Utah one, one year. And that was about the first year we saw a, 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 a shotgun quarterback and one back set and stuff like that and movement. And so I felt like one of the things is, is common sense tells you, you got to have speed. You got to be able to cover people. And the one thing I didn't want to do was have about 15 different uh, teams coming running on and off the field. (laughs) And normally by the time it's over, you've had a couple of mistakes. Somebody didn't go, somebody didn't do this or that. The speed thing was, is if you look at a, a five man front, say, for example, like the old Okies say that that's pretty much, you know, a three, four defense, that type of thing. And you, uh, you're actually taking out a tackle and, uh, you, you have two tackles, two inside guys and two outside guys with a four three that, that puts a, another speed guy on the field. And so I felt like that was one advantage to, to that defense, and it's a pretty easy defense to adjust to. Uh, and But the thing was with speed, 
The reason for that being is if we had guys that, and we did, we had guys that were recruited in the secondary, say, as strong safeties playing linebacker was would be a, a good example. Uh, we don't have to take anybody out of the game when, you know, when they go to no backs or any of that kind of stuff. Now we had a D, we had one, we did have a, uh, a dime nickel. We called it nickel a defense and uh, with one man changing, which would be the Sam backer uh, for a defensive back. So we put an extra DB in the field in certain situations. Uh, but other than that, we pretty much kept it kosher, and we tried to keep our linebackers inside because the number one thing we wanted to do was stop the run. Mm-hmm. So we played a lot of man under. And um, I guess you'd call it man under too deep type of thing. Uh, but the thing was is that I don't think people were sure what we were in because one of the big things we did was disguise our coverage uh, and to look like other things and go and then of course when the ball snapped you go to your position but the other thing was is we fooled our linebackers now <clears throat> there probably isn't any team that does it uh, fooling the linebacker you can see a guy a linebacker walk in and out of the line of scrimmage sometimes but we would we would look at like we might look like a straight line across and have both our linebackers outside on the line of scrimmage and our mic backer up on the line over a guard or over the center or it depends on, you know, what we had in the front and stay there until the ball snapped. Now, when you do that, uh, the quarterback doesn't have a clue if there's pressure coming. <laughs> and sometimes we didn't have any pressure coming. So they made it change the play. When you get an offense to change the play, they're doing something they don't really want to do. <laughs> They call a play because they want to do it because they think that's the best thing. If you make them have to think and do it, then that's, that's part of the, part of the deal. And we, we played a lot of man defense. We played a we, our, our guys had to play a lot of, a lot of, uh, simple coverages. It's called a count defense. One, two, three. I got number one. If I'm a corner, and that's really hard to remember. <laughs> and I'm a safety. I'm I'm free. So you know. So if there there were some things we tried not to do. We could change our blitzes up front with the seven man, but we didn't want to mess with those four guys back there at all, if we could help it, because uh, that's that's where you found they got a lot of confidence in playing, and then it was. You know, it was an aggressive defense, and the old saying, you live, you, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. But, and we did at times, uh, that did happen. You know, one, you can't expect a corner to be let, left out on, a, you know, by himself all the time. And uh, because somebody's going to beat him once in a while, so you have to understand that, that that's a possibility. But you can make up for that in other ways, and uh, but that's by putting pressure on the quarterback. You can keep those things from happening. You know, if you can get a a, a good pass rush all the time, and we felt like we had a, a chance to do that. It's Charlie McBride with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, a 
Monday on a Tuesday with Coach Charlie McBride. And Coach, one of the things we heard from Tony White today when talking about his defense was that he wants guys playing fast and playing free defensively. And he said he wants to get there by getting guys a lot of reps in practice, which which seems obvious. But is that the only way that you can get guys playing fast and, and playing, uh, you know, with, without fear of failure, if you will? Is it reps or are there any other motivating strategies that you had during your time at Nebraska to get guys playing fast on that defense? Well, I think a lot of that defense, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to have a little bit of the same philosophy and that they're going to be doing some disguising and things like that, and you have to have guys that can run to cover backs out of the backfield and, uh, you know, and be sure you know the personnel in the backfield. Uh, I think sometimes, you you know, when we, when we got ready, we – we checked to see that the quarterback, if he was a punter, would he play in high school? Mm. Is he a quarterback? Was he a quarterback? If he is, yeah, you got a, you got a chance that that guy's going to throw the ball. So there's a lot of little things, you know, you have to check on, and so you have to have everybody know that. And uh, one of the things that, uh, that you're able to do with a, with that defense, it looks like, is you're able to do a lot of disguising and a lot of moving around so we'll just see what happens but you have to you, you can't start out full speed and I, I don't mean by running full speed i mean by throwing the whole package in there you have to kind of go a little at a time and that's the thing that's hard uh, you know for a new a new coach with a new defense is to start from scratch kind of and that's what they're doing and then add a little each week and uh, until you have, you know, maybe four or five games into the season, you feel pretty confident you got pretty much in what you want to have in. Um, and then there's some special plays, you, you know, defenses you put in week to week. But uh, I, I would say that looking at that defense, there's a lot of chances to do a lot of moving around. Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, as we catch up with uh, Mr. Blackshirt, get his thoughts on the, the Husker D. So, Coach, when we talk about Nebraska and this system and Coach White and the players he has, some of the names we know. We know Ty Robinson. We know Reimer. We know Henrich. We know Polar Bear. Some of the guys that have been in the program a while that have reshaped their body. They're chopping to go. And then you've got some portal guys. You've got a guy like MJ Sherman that's going to be a guy off the, the edge in that, that Jack linebacker position. Rover is going to be key as well. And you had a great one in Mike Brown. Tell me a little bit about how good you think the defense can be. And also the reality, which you just talked about, the fact that it's new for everybody. So it's going to take some while. It could take a while to get – uh, confident and good at what you're being asked to do? Well, I think the one good thing is you have to get to know each other. Right? You think, well, I know everybody. You know, if you're playing there, I mm-hmm. went through spring ball with them. But, I mean, there's times in games when there's certain things that certain players say and do and lead and how they lead and things like that that you really don't, you really don't know about as a fan. Uh, you probably do as a coach. And things like that, but you you know if you if you make it a point to 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 make it a team effort, and by that I mean responsibility. We've got to get the ball for the offense. That is period. You know we've got to, it's three and out. And let's go. You know, and 
And if it isn't three and out, it's going to be the next down. We're going to intercept the pass. We're going to knock the ball out. We're going to recover a fumble. We're going to make something happen. Um, and I think that all comes from within each player. Uh, and if they understand what their responsibility is to each other, and to get that ball for the the and for the and what your responsibility is to the offense, you know you got a team, and the offense the same thing. Those guys, they understand. Hey, they work their tails off to get it. We got to get it in the end zone, and so all these simple things, you know, fit together. And they and you know a lot of people say, well, that's pretty simple. Yeah, well, it is, except <laughs> you have to do it. And and you have to have good leaders, and you have to have guys who demand things on the field of each other. And uh, and, and that, that'll happen. That'll, that'll develop itself as time goes on. But, uh, that, you know, the thing, you worry, the thing you worry the most about is a lot of times you get a couple guys hurt at one position, and you have to... And, and it, sometimes you have to regulate your defense because you can't run something that there's a guy in there that maybe isn't, you know, really ready to go or something like that. And, of course, that's my, my philosophy was to coach for depth. And I had some things I did at practice that uh, helped me, you know, down the road a lot. And uh, But if you look at the defense and you have to put thirds, threes and fours in the game and you're ahead 28, to nothing or 30 to nothing with 10 minutes or 15 minutes left in the game, and they let them have two touchdowns, that kind of tell you that makes the number one and two guys feel pretty bad because it makes their defense look bad. And they never thought that, though. Mm-hmm. But that's what a normal person would think. Would, oh, geez, you know, these guys are scoring. It's 28 to 14 now, and, you know, and uh, the game ain't over till the fat lady sings. So <laughs> you've got to, you know, you've got to be protective of each other, and and know, you know, the things that that are good and bad with certain people. I mean, uh, defenses that are good and bad with certain people in the game. Coach, real quick before we say goodbye, and thanks for squeezing us in today. How how uh, cautious were you about? playing young guys and when did they show or flash to be ready to go when did you feel good about letting them go swim in the deep end well first of all if you had to play them that's it that doesn't that solves your problem you've got to go but you know you'll find out some kids are better football players than they that they've shown when they're on the field playing in a game Hmm. they have the ability to do things that you can't do in practice because they still aren't their motor still isn't connected but when they get in the game, sometimes you're going to go, wow, we should have been playing this guy more. Mm. And you're going to find that more than not mm. is what's going to happen. Quickly, because Charlie. these kids are standing on the sideline and want to knock somebody's brains out, and, they, and they'll, you know, they'll do a lot to anything to get in there. Quickly, Charlie, tell me, about 30 seconds left here, who were some guys that you coached that were like that? They couldn't get their motor connected until the game started getting going. Well, there's a lot of guys that are real quiet. I mean, I go back to the guys like Rob Stuckey. If, I mean, when he talks to you, you can't hear him. I mean, you know, some guys, you know, you, if you go meet Terry Keneally and some of these really nice kids, you get them in a game, 
you better get you better get going because they're going to come after you. Everything they got, everything, and that's what happens. You find a lot of these players, George Andrews, they used to call them the smiling assassin, <laughs> you know, and things like that. Of course, I had names too, and you know, we had <laughs> my name was Coach Run It Again. Uh-huh. So the scout team heard. Let me say, run it again. They knew they were going to get the snot knocked out of them. (laughs) Coach, we'll talk next Monday as camp continues. Thanks for checking in with us today. Okay. I'll be here, I hope. (laughs) (laughs) Coach, you go catch some fish. Eat some wings. (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys. Bye now. There he is, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. Joel Wilkes going to hit the O-line next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. We've talked a lot about the lines of scrimmage being the key to Nebraska this season and beyond. We welcome in a great member of the Nebraska Pipeline. Joe Wilkes joins us. And, uh, Joel, good to spend a few minutes with you. Thanks for taking the day out. I know camp season gets you all riled up. Hey, Chris and Elijah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, this time of year, man, uh, I get a little, uh, yeah, I get a little twitchy. I get a little, uh, you know, I feel like I'm going to fight somebody. I just went in the grocery store for a second, and an old lady cut me off, and I almost forearmed her. (laughs) It just makes me want to fight this time of year, so I I know what those guys are going through. See, it's the same for me, except in in Nebraska, August rolls around. It's not because of fall camp. It's because of the hot and humid weather. You know, I get a little antsy. You get get angry. (laughs) A little bit. That's that's true. You start sweating all the time and get angry. (laughs) Well, uh, to be fair, uh, it it wasn't a a woman, and she wasn't, or he wasn't that uh, that old. So I'm betting on Joel (laughs) is the point. But we'll we'll dive into the offensive line and what you uh, hope to see, what you want to see. With Nebraska this year, Joel, there's a lot of kids that have played a lot of snaps, but they just haven't had the success. Coach Rule and Coach Riola, Riola back for a second year. They want to flip that mentality. Are you optimistic about this line being a strength of the offense and just the team this year? No, I definitely am. I think they got the right guys running it. Um, I love Coach Riola and, and Coach Rule. I haven't met Coach Rule yet, but I love everything he's saying. I think they've got the mentality. And those guys, like you said, they've played a lot of ball. You know, I remember, you know, when I went down there, I wasn't ready. I mean, it took me three years to get on the field. So some of those guys got thrown in there so early. I just think they've, you know, they've needed to season a little bit. Now they've played a lot of football, like you said. And, you know, they shouldn't be nervous at all. They should, you know, everything should be slowing down. And now they just got to they just gotta play fast and play with that nasty. You know, they got to have a little prick in them and be nasty out there. So that's the, that's the only thing that's left, if you ask me. Just just that attitude and just just fighting up there and playing hard. Tell me about your journey from a confidence standpoint. You're a guy, like you said, it. it, it you know, I shouldn't say this demeaningly. I'm not three years to get on, but that's kind of how it worked with Nebraska. You got built up, you got developed, and then in some instances, by by year four, by year three, guys were ready to go. It, it was you know the wheel shields of the world were pretty rare. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I came into Nebraska at 2.30, so I wasn't a, a natural freak size-wise like some of these guys. Like Ben Hart, I was back in Nebraska for the uh, Husker Greats golf tournament, and he was there, and I couldn't believe I mean, he was just a, a wall. He's huge, <laughs> how big he is. Um, you know, I came in at 2, 6.3, 2.30. I just wasn't ready yet. And, you know, it took me, you know, a couple of years of just getting beat up by 
Perella and Rainmakers and those guys just to toughen me up, you know, and to, to learn the offense. So it just it just took some time. And even those guys being bigger, I think it, it takes some time just to you got to take your lumps before you can just get thrown in there and start dominating. So, um, you know, they've, they've had a few years now where they've taken some lumps. You know, they've had time in the system and the in the weight room. And I think they're they're ready to do great things now just got to get that mentality and just keep that going. Joe, what is that that mentality and that mindset flip? What does that entail? Is it just, you know what, there's there's one fall camp where you feel a little bit better and it leads into success during the season? Does it take that 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 success on the field? Do you need to get a matchup in a game that is advantageous to you in order to build that confidence? How do you take that from from going and getting beat up to, to making that a, a strong point of your game and being a guy who's going to go dominate other people? For me, I think you just get sick and tired of it. You just, you just at some point, you got to say, I'm going to put my foot down. Enough is enough, you know? I mean, I came in with a little chip on my shoulder anyway because I didn't get a scholarship. So I was kind of, you know, just had that that fuel burn inside me from day one. But as far as eventually um, not getting my butt kicked anymore, you just get tired of it and you say enough's enough. And you also spend time in the weight room. I got, you know, I got up to 280. So, you know, put 50 pounds on, it makes you a little bit tougher too when you're a little bit bigger and stronger. Then you have that confidence that, you know, I can squat six, seven hundred pounds. I know I can, you know, drive somebody off the, off the ball. So it just gives you that confidence too. Joel Wilkes with us, Hale Varsity Radio, previewing the offensive line at jwilks 76 Find him on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, uh, the OG Pipeline. Give that a follow as well. Uh, great event up at the Hale Varsity Club earlier this summer with all your mates. It was good to see you up there. Yeah. When we talk about offensive identity, what do you think – this offense will be. You've got a talent in Sims. You've got receiving weapons. You've got a stable of running backs. But again, it all hinges on that offensive line. Speak to the guards specifically. Nuri is back. We had a chance to sit down with Ethan Piper at Big Ten Media Days. He's reshaped, and, and he's all sorts of anxious to do work. You've got other guard options. There's nothing in ink position-wise. We think we have an idea. Uh, five, yes. Uh, and then you need about eight to play. So uh, give me your thought here on, on what you think the bread and butter can be for this offense. Well, you know, being, you know, I'm not right there in Nebraska, but just my, my all my buddies that I played with are there, and they say good things about those guys. They mm-hmm. say they're strong guys, and they're all capable of, of doing the job. Um, I, I really like, you know, kind of just what Rule is saying, you know, just having a balanced offense, but when you know it's it's time to go and you need a, a couple yards or it's fourth quarter and you got the lead and you're trying to hold the lead you got to be able to run the ball and also when we get in the red zone i just hate when we get down to the five yard line and we start throwing around and then we end up kicking a field goal it's like you know that's the time where that would piss me off as an o-lineman i'm like that's the time we you know hunker down and we get it in by running the ball so i'm, I'm just hoping they can run when they need to but they're you know want to have a balanced attack as well when you look at that that trust between coaching staff and offensive line, whenever you get to, to third and one, third and two, you know what, we're going to run the ball instead of throwing it around. That trust is a two-way street, right? And that the coaches have to, to trust the offensive linemen, but the offensive linemen have to be able to trust the coaches that, that you know what, your play call, it's, it's less about your play call and more about our execution, if you follow what I'm saying here. Tell us about that trust yeah. between coaching staff and O-line. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, we had the ultimate trust in Coach Tenerper, Coach Young, and Coach Osborne, whatever they called, but um, they also knew that, you know, when it, when it came down to it, that, you know, we wanted to run the ball. We were just a physical group. And if, if, if they didn't run the ball down there, we would we would say something to the coaches like, what are we doing? Let's go. We want to run the ball, you know, put it on us and, and, and let us get five yards or whatever it is. So so we would have those conversations and that trust. You know, they just had the trust in us and we trusted them as well. But 
um, you know, I think they just knew from practice too, you know, we were just ground and pound and just, you know, working people like that. They knew that was the best thing to do down there, but, but we had that, we had that relationship where we could talk and have that trust. But I know if, if we got down there and start throwing around Zach or somebody probably look over and give, give coach Osborne the business. If you're not running it down there, man. <laughs> how did that, that how did that go? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Zach was had no fear. He had a good relationship with Coach Osborne, but he would he wouldn't bite his tongue if you know we were in a situation like that. I can just hear him saying it right now. Uh, that's pretty good. Joel Wilkes yeah. with us, Sale Varsity Radio. Joel, uh, let's spend a minute here on that other side of the ball, the defensive side, and you have kind of a new look for Nebraska. That three three five that's going to be multiple and new defensive line coach and Terrence Knight and had a chance to hear him today and. You've got some of those guys up front, be it Robinson or, or Hutmacher, that's really reshaped their body. So the, the buy-in is there. They're trying to be more explosive and athletic. What, what's the the weirdest defense you went up against, uh, if memory serves, either uh, from a scheme standpoint or what's maybe the most talented front you got to see on a Saturday? Well, that makes it tough when you're in multiple like that and you're moving guys around and bringing guys from all over the place. I mean, that makes it really tough to prepare for. So I think that's a, you know, I, I like that, um, that, that scheme, you know, you're not going to see the teams in the big 10 are seeing similar stuff every week. And then we do something different. we got guys just coming from everywhere. I kind of like that. You know, the top teams when I played, you know, Oklahoma had a great front seven and, and of course Miami with Warren Sapp and Ray Lewis and those guys made it tough, but I'd rather have a, a defense that you knew where they're going to line up and you just went at it. than you know, guys moving all over the place and, and, you know, blitz is coming from everywhere, so that makes it a little – that chaos makes it a little tough. That surprise factor is difficult to prep for, even though you spend yep. a Monday through Thursday to get ready. Exactly. That's hard to simulate with the scout team and, and getting a good look. So so I, I, I like what they're doing on defense. I think they're going to be uh, flying around, and I hear the players say that it's more like um, see ball, run to ball, and they're just you know, getting after it and, and pinning their ears back and going. So I like to hear that too. Joel, whenever you're looking at at the the defense, the offensive line, and, and you know building up that physicality, building up that 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 pipeline, if you will, what are you going to be watching for early in the season to see if this offensive line and defensive line as well have made improvements? Are you going to be opening up the stats and looking at yards per rush, rushing yards? Is it an eye test thing? What are you going to be watching for in order to see if those two groups have improved in 2023? Well, the first thing I just want to see get off. I want to see those guys getting off the ball and not catching people and not just shielding guys. I want to see them flying off the ball and, and getting that initial, you know, two yard pop off the ball, you know, just punching people and, and exploding off the line. And then just watching the finish, you know, just seeing if there's guys on the ground, you know, just seeing if they're getting pancakes and finishing guys. Those are the two biggest things. Just seeing that and that get off and then finish somebody. When you get when you don't be satisfied with a you know, just a stalemate, you know, keep your feet going until you know a second past the whistle and, and finish somebody. Put them you know, want to put somebody in the turf every time and break their will. That's the kind of attitude you want every time. Joel, there's been a lot of talk about the fourth quarter, and Nebraska's been in so many tight games over the last couple, three years, and that's life in the Big Ten. And to you, I wanted to get your take on what made you guys such a great fourth quarter team. Uh, it wasn't close a lot of the time, but if it was close, you could put that four-minute offense in. I think it was just the practices and the conditioning. We were in such good shape, you know, and Coach Osborne always preached, you know, it doesn't matter what happens in the first, second, third quarter. We're just, you know, just giving them blows and blows and blows, and then eventually we're going to get the knockout punch in the fourth quarter. So you just wear them down is, is what we did. Um, you know, 
initially, you know, you saw in Miami, Warren Sapp and those guys getting in the backfield a little bit, making plays, but they just we just kept coming, kept coming, wore them down, and then you, you just knock them out in the fourth quarter. So that's what we always did. I mean, the fourth quarter, we we always just know we own the fourth quarter. That was just our motto. We own the fourth quarter, and we get to the fourth, and it and it will take we'll finish the deal out. So that's the mentality they got to have. You can't you can't pucker up in the fourth quarter and get scared and get nervous. You got to say this is our time and and. Um, I'm hoping too that the, those O linemen up front are just the alpha, the alpha dogs on the team. You know, you can't be passive, and those guys got to be the guys telling everybody that this is going to happen with us. You know, so I hope those guys have that leadership and or have that ability to do that on the team and just be just be the ultimate leaders up there and take the thing over. Was was that a gradual thing with with the pipeline? Because how many seasons together did you guys play? Was it two years? Was it three? Y'all came up together, yeah. But by the senior season, by your junior season, was it was it just kind of known that yeah, this this is the time, this is the the finishing touch slash punch, so to speak. By the time I got up there, we had my junior senior year, so two years for for all of us together. I mean, Rob and and Zach saw the field earlier than that. Um, you know, Brendan had Will Shields ahead of him, and um, but yeah, for the last two years that we were, we were together, and just. You know, you just build that by spending time together in the weight room and on the on the, on the field and just holding each other accountable. You know, if anybody, um, you know, had an off day, you'd, you'd hear about it from the other guys. And we just all held each other to that standard. Um, so when you get in those situations in the fourth quarter, you just know you can count on those guys and and you're not going to let any, you know, you're not going to let those guys down. And now. And now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Former Husker offensive lineman Joel Wilkes with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And Joel, one of the things that Coach Roll talked about at Media Days last week was earning respect in Nebraska getting back to, to where they were in terms of earning respect. And one of the phrases that he used was, was getting Nebraska back to a point where they were feared. And I want you to take me back to those national championship seasons. From, from body language or from interactions on the field, did you know when another team was, was fearful of what Nebraska brought, or in the fourth quarter rolled around, did you ever see that in your opponents that they were fearful of what Nebraska was in the fourth quarter? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, we went in, you know, I think teams came into Memorial Stadium back then and, and just and knew what they were going to, you know, what they were going to get. You know, they're going to get a butt kick. And, you know, a lot of the teams, you know, they come in there and intimidated. And we've kind of, we've lost that. Teams have come into our stadium that aren't even, um, power five teams and beat us. So we've kind of lost that mystique in our stadium. We need to get that back. But I remember one game specifically, I mean, it was Pacific, and we only played, the starters only played 15 snaps because we scored, you know, we scored every time we got the ball. But I remember the first play we walked up there and they had a, a defensive lineman that was about, he, he had to be like 220, 230, just little guy. He's in his stance, just, just shivering, just shaking, like trying to get all psyched up and all this stuff. And we walked up and literally just started laughing. Like, are you kidding me? This is all. This is the best you guys got, and we just freaking tossed him ten yards, and, and we played fifteen plays, and that was it. But you could tell that kid wasn't. He was scared. He wasn't ready for Memorial Stadium that day. They dropped their football program shortly after. I don't know if they had anything to do with with that Saturday. And how many hot dogs did you guys hammer on the sideline? We literally did. Zach called over the hot dog guy and we started ordering hot dogs and then coach Osborne halftime chewed us out for doing that and said we can't eat on the sidelines <laughs> we got you one coach come on man uh, Joel Wilkes with We're us bored Co- over here man yeah a couple more minutes sale varsity radio part of the uh, the Husker pipeline talking Nebraska offensive line for 
2023. Is there a player you've got circled, Joel, that, that you're projecting really big things from on the offensive line? Is there a guy you're, you're keyed in on? Well, I like, you know, I hear Rob talk about um, Teddy yeah. quite a bit. Like he's a, you know, he should be, um, you know, probably our best guy potentially um, if he's healthy. So I'd like to see him, um, you know, get in there and be healthy and just let it, let it go and cut loose and, and all that stuff. So kind of be watching him, but all, you know, all those guys, I'm just, I'm really rooting for the whole group and uh, just hope they come out with some, um, that, that swagger and that attitude, you know, just to be, just to be nasty pricks out there. I want to see all five of them, you know, those five starters do that, but, but he's a guy I'll definitely keep my eye on just from hearing what, uh, what Rob's had to say about him. I, I think it nasty. And I think your group, the offensive line, flipping it around with, and we talked to you, we talked to Dr. Rob, and two names always come up, three names really. The, you know, Christian, uh, you mentioned Perella, and, and when, when Perella was here, we had a you know, chance to, to get in touch with him quite a bit, and, and then Raymakers. What is the mystique slash legend of those D-tackles you guys had to go against? Yeah, they, they were really, really talented, so were you guys, but... How did they prepare you? I mean, what was that level of nasty you speak of? Honestly, they just, on the field, were not right upstairs. Those guys were nuts. They were totally nuts. I mean, they were just crazy. And you just, you were, you go up there and you just didn't know what you were going to get into because they're just, you just, they're wild. You didn't know what they were going to do. And they were just, the, you know, the three of the toughest guys. I mean, probably the three toughest guys I ever went against. And that's game included and everything. I mean, they're just, um, you know, big, strong you know, didn't feel pain, you know, just like, uh, just crazy in the head, you know, that's what we always said. Those guys were just nuts. So they prepared you because you knew going into a game, there's no way you're going to find anybody that crazy or, or tough. I mean, I mean, like that time, one time Perella broke his fingers, bones sticking out of his finger during a game and, and Sully came over, taped it up and he ran back in there. I mean, his bone is sticking out of his hand. That guy was nuts. He didn't feel any pain. I mean, so so, you know, going against those three guys, it just prepared you for I mean, anything you'd, you'd see on a Saturday. When it comes to not being right upstairs, uh, you mentioned the, 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 the fracture that had bone sticking out. Would they, uh, would they try and literally push your buttons on those practice days, Monday through Thursday, where they give you a little extra after the whistle? Would they try and set you off? Oh, without a doubt. Prell and Raymakers one time jumped me. I, I think I've told this story before. I, I was a scout team guy, but they they had enough of me fighting, and they they double teamed me and just beat the crap out of me in front of my whole my whole group of scout team guys. I mean they were I mean they were just laughing as they're just wailing on me. So uh, yeah, they they taught me a lot those guys. But but I'm friends with them to this day. I mean off the field they're the greatest guys on, on the planet. You know I'm just great great friends with them. But on the field, um, you know they just had that switch that they could go to. That's insane. Um. <laughs> Do they buy you a beer afterwards, at least? <laughs> Say that again. I missed that. Did, did they buy you a beer at least afterwards? Oh yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, Makes I sense. saw Raymakers at uh, at Zach's induction into the College Football Hall of Fame recently here, and we told some good good stories and and had some beers, and you know they're just great great guys. But yeah, we we had some wars and practice down in the pit. That's for sure. The last thought from me here before we get you out, and Schmidt might have some more for you, but uh, I want to get into, as you talk about development and being a scout team guy going up against the starters, a guy that a lot of people were impressed with on that offensive line in the spring was Gunnar Gatula, and we talked about him a bit yesterday. What do you think an ideal true freshman year is for Gunnar Gatula with, with how 
thin this offensive line may be headed into the season. Do you, do you think you'd like to see him get some play time in that offensive line? Would it be better to be a guy that can focus on his craft and really just bring it in practice every single day and not have to worry about Saturdays? Well, what do you think an ideal year one is for Gunnar Gatula? Because I think a lot of people saw that potential in him during that spring game. Yeah, I've heard some great things about him too. I mean, I, ideally, I'm sure all these kids coming in now want to play. I mean, I didn't even have that. That wasn't even on my radar. I'm, I'm just coming in trying to develop. So, I mean, I think that'd be good for him just to develop if he could, if they're um, you know, if they can stay healthy up front there and he can just take a year to develop and learn from those guys and stay in the weight room and, and uh, you know, save the, that eligibility for when he's, you know, a little more mature and bigger and all that stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, he, if, if he's good enough, I'm sure they'll, they'll get him on the field if they need him. But, uh, you know, I've heard great things about him, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in the future here. Joel Wilkes with us, uh, Husker standout, part of the pipeline, a national champion. And uh, joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Joe, before we let you go, tell us what uh, this fall looks like for you with your kids in, in the high school football season. Yeah, we just started ramping it up this week, so I'm getting crazy busy and, and uh, getting everything lined up. I've got uh, my middle son's going to be an eighth grader, so i got one more year coaching youth football. And then I'm also uh, coaching with the varsity. They will line with the uh, varsity at Lake Oswego High School. And my oldest son's going to be a freshman this year. Um, so he's... Uh, yeah, he's getting up into the high school ranks. So it's going to be it's going to be really fun. Um, you know, I'm going to be watching a lot of huddle and and uh, and just just busy as I'll get it. I'm also they wrote me into being the equipment guy for youth football, so I got the equipment handout coming out this weekend. So it's just, <laughs> just a really busy time, but it's I'm trying to enjoy every minute of it cuz I know it goes fast and um, you know, before you know it, Cash will be a senior and and get ready to to go off to college and he I finally converted him. He's finally turned into a Husker fan. He was a duck for the longest time and now he's finally—I don't know what what did it, but uh, he's a Husker now, and he he wants to go to uh, to Matt Rule's camp next summer, and cool. he's all in. So we'll see how it goes. That's awesome, and and congrats to you. And I know that's special being able to be around your boys and coaching them. That's that's awesome. And yeah. Joel, quickly, when you talk about being the equipment manager, are you giving the kids neck rolls? What's your thought on the neck roll in football? <laughs> kids don't even know what those are anymore. They want the smallest shoulder pads they can get. It's just it's weird. Yeah, I, I had the old cowboy collar and all that stuff, man. But the biggest shoulder pads I could find. And now I'm, I checked my son out with some pads, and he's like, "Yeah, these things are huge." And I'm like, "What are you talking about? They want the smallest ones possible. It's just so different." Joel, you take care. Hope to see you this fall. Thanks for a few minutes today. Thanks, guys. Great to see you. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, podcast available for you shortly. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Subscribe to Hale Varsity Radio. Subscribe to the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, the digital video version available in a bit. Replay for you also the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Big thanks to everyone who jumped in and uh, contributed into the chat. We'll spend more time tomorrow. Evan Bland, Mike Babcock joins us is that we'll talk more Husker football. Plenty of audio we we didn't get to, so if you want to hear from the Polar Bear or Coach Pot Roast, we'll have a little sampling of that tomorrow. Potentially many thanks to Charlie McBride, Joel Wilkes, Mitch Sherman today. We'll get caught up with Searles later in the week. His thoughts on the O-line as well. Reminder, to get buckled up, use your seatbelt. It saves lives, prevents injuries only if Properly worn, buckle up, a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. And Elijah, it is taco night. 
we are going to go get uh, tacos and beer. At least I'll have the beer part. Hard shell, soft shell, or some sort of monstrosity combination. Oh, I mean the monstrosity combination. Like the, the where you have your soft wrapped your, around your hard shell. With cheese in between. Right. Great. Phenomenal. Also, a real pain if you're doing it at home. I, I save that for the experts over at Taco Bell. Can I, can I say the best tacos ever, and I will, as coaches say, jump on the table for this. We had barge tacos, all right? And barge tacos were great. Uncle Willie and my grandpa uh, out in western Nebraska, they had a barge. We'd jump out. We'd fish. My brother and I would get hung up all the time. You know, Grandpa should have threw us in. Didn't. And then they had a little hot plate, and they'd put a little oil in, and we'd just do tacos on the barge. Oh, I see. I see. It, was, it was Yeah, it was great. And they always would take the, the tortilla, and they'd do corn, mm-hmm. and then they'd do flour. And the flour was so flaky where it'd, it'd puff up, it'd get a little char to it, yep. but it was still flexible. Yep. And those are incredible, like homemade onion, peppers, jalapeno, some salsa, the ground beef. It was incredible. I wish I could do barge tacos as well as, as I had them on the barge. I'd do them at home. Mm-hmm. But got the dreaded, I mean, the welcomed text, where are we going to dinner? You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the bad signal from the wife. And I'm like, well, let's... Tuesday. Go do taco. Yeah. Taco Tuesday. You got to do Taco Tuesday. Okay. Here's the thing. Well, I think with tacos is if I'm doing it at home, I might as well just make a quesadilla, right? Get the two shell action going. See, get a little that, extra that cheese in there. all melty. I love quesadillas if I'm doing it at home. If I'm going out, the street tacos are great everywhere. Uh-huh. Those are money. One thing I will stand up on a soapbox is for $1 at Taco Bell, they have... Spicy potato soft tacos. And you would think, why would I want this? There's no meat in there. It is fantastic. It's, it's like, glorious. It's like these these deep fried potato chunks. Mm-hmm. They have a chipotle sauce. It used to have this thing called a Baja sauce, which the only thing that they used on the for that Baja sauce on on the menu was the spicy potato soft taco. Obviously, cost cutting happened. They had to cut the Baja sauce out. You can still get it in stores. But the spicy potato soft taco fantastic i will never get tired of them at home though if i'm doing tacos i'm just gonna go put two shells together with all my ingredients in between and make it a quesadilla so confession here i once hammered seven gorditas (laughs) haven't we all (laughs) 1 a.m on a saturday night you never know what's gonna happen carson we're going to the bell talk to you tomorrow at four thanks a huda media production